Hi there, skating fans. Welcome to another edition of the Skate Canada Alumni Podcast. Three-time Canadian champion Emmanuel Sandu describes himself as a perfectionist with a two-sided personality. Recently, when he and Debbie Wilkes chatted about his life and career, even the COVID pandemic couldn't suppress his optimism, curiosity, and love of adventure. Join Emmanuel and Debbie for this revealing and inspiring conversation. Emmanuel, it is such a pleasure to connect with you. I wish we were connecting in person, uh, face-to-face, but I'm delighted that you could take some time today to uh, perhaps catch up a little bit and review some of the years since I last saw you. My goodness. I would, yes, I would love, I would love to do that. I think uh, we have a little bit of time on our hands now. <laughs> I know I We do. do. That's great. Well, uh, I mean, there's a lot that I want to cover today, but let's start with right now. Where are you? What are you doing? I mean, here we are. It It is still in the midst of this pandemic, but tell me yeah. what you'd be doing if you weren't self-isolating. I would uh, either be on the ice right now. I would either be in a dance studio or at the gym. <laughs> so those would be my three options are performing somewhere. Uh, so are you finding somewhere at home to try to keep yourself in shape? Yes, um, I, I think it's really important. I, this, is, this is my philosophy on life, like pre-pandemic uh, anyways, but um, for me, keeping up sort of the physical side of things uh, has always been really, really important. I mean, I've been doing it since I was like, a kid with my ballet first and now with my skating. And so I try to schedule a time every single day to uh, be active. So I'll spend an hour at least uh, doing some fitness, which includes, you know, your regular cardio and strength and conditioning stuff and, and off ice jumps. Yes. Of course. And you're still um, practicing and exercising through ballet. I am. Yes. I mean, obviously we can't get to a studio right now, but there's a ton of uh, online stuff that's happening, uh, which is really, really great. And um, of course, with my own experience in ballet, I can create my own little ballet bar floor routine situations um, at home or in the backyard or wherever I can find some space. (laughs) It's so important. I agree. And such a change. We have to be very creative. I think, you know, we can look at this in, in two ways. We can look at it in sort of um, a nihilistic negative way, or I choose to look at it in a, I call it the find the silver linings, because there's always a silver lining to any situation. And like you mentioned, in, in this particular situation, what we're dealing with right now, um, first of all, we're all dealing with it. Every single person. It's unprecedented. There's not been in recent history a time where every single person on this planet is dealing with the same thing at the same time. So definitely no FOMO, no fear of missing out on anybody's part. So we're all united in that. 
Um, and as well, you know, like you said, it forces us to be creative. And um, the most important thing is to be able to adapt. And, you know, that's one message that I want to share with, with everybody is that one thing we human beings are really good at is being adaptable. It's part of our evolutionary process. We are one of the most adaptable species. Never forget that. It's a strength. Embrace it. You know, things can always, always, always be looked at in a positive way, and that's the way I choose to do it. I agree with you. I am also, uh, as you describe yourself, I am also a very, I think, a very positive person. I always like to see the the best of everything and turn everything into an opportunity. And uh, I, I think that adaptability, as you've described, it is also a great description for your history, both on the ice and off Nice. I mean, if we go back, let's go back to the very beginning of your... Let's go back. Your, <laughs> let's go back. Um, tell me about how you first started. Were you dancing first or skating first? Oh, yeah. Okay, well, I started dancing. Like, we're, we're getting in the time machine. We're going way, we're going way <laughs> back now, like 33 years or 36 years, I should say. My goodness. I can't believe time flies. Um, so basically, when I was about two or three years old, I, I uh, started with dance. Now, this wasn't like, you know, heavy uh, ballet training or anything like that. It was, you know, your, your typical um, taught sort of program where um, you learned how to move to music and have fun, roll around on the ground, be social, etc. And it kind of grew from there. So I've been dancing pretty much since I was three years old. Then when I was about, oh my goodness, seven or eight, around around the 88 Olympics um, in Calgary is when I actually started uh, my figure skating. I had never stepped foot on the ice before. And really the reason why I did that, and I'm sure the Olympics had, had something to do with that, because I remember watching them on TV and being completely mesmerized. But my my mother especially wanted me to become more... Um, Canadianized uh, because both my parents I'm I'm first generation Canadian my parents came from overseas my mom's from Rome she came from Italy my dad is Indian he came from Chandigarh they met in Canada I was born and I became a first generation Canadian and so it was really important to my parents to sort of embrace the culture of of Canada and one way to do that was definitely uh, a winter sport like like figure skating so that's lucky kind of for Canada uh, how lucky for me, you think? <laughs> well, oh, well, it was nice that it, it was good for both sides. You were a three-time Canadian champion. Uh, you, I, I believe my memory serves you won the Grand Prix final. Um, I did, yes. A few years ago. But yes. um, two, uh, two sets of titles that uh, were extremely important, not just for the time, but because of what in my opinion, what you brought to the sport, which was uh, another layer of performance, that kind of classical, um, emotional, um, extremely physical, but at the same time, just with such attention to detail. 
can you describe <laughs> what it is you felt you brought to the sport? I'm just laughing at the attention to detail comment because I think <laughs> it can be a, a good thing, but I think sometimes my friends and uh, the people I work with can <laughs> think I'm a little bit loopy because I'm, I'm very, very detailed. But um, I'm sorry, what was your question again? <laughs> what do you feel? What was your goal? Did you have a goal for what you wanted to bring to the sport or the the kind of... Hmm, what is the right word? It was a bit of a revolution. You know, I don't know if you realize that. A lot of not, Canadian men you... skaters do that. It's, it's really well, strange. Well, that's true, I too. Don't know. I mean, it's, I feel like I'm, I'm, if I've done anything in terms of revolutionizing the sport or being part of that, I'm, I'm part of like a, a long lineage of, of skaters going back you know, to, you know, people like uh, Don Jackson and Toller and Kurt and Brian. And I'm sure the list, you know, goes on and on and on and on. And, uh, you know, forgive me for not mentioning everybody, but um, I've always been really respectful of that. I know that I'm, I'm part of a bigger, a bigger picture. So if I've contributed in any way, thumbs up, <laughs> I'm happy with that. But to answer your question in terms of what, what did I want to do or what did I think I, I contributed. The answer is really simple for me. What I wanted to do when I started skating, I had two goals. Okay. So when I started skating, I also started at the National Ballet School um, in, in Toronto. And I had two goals at the time. Um, as soon as my skating and dancing started to progress and I started to take it really seriously, I wanted to either become a principal dancer with the National Ballet of Canada, like Rex Harrington or Karen Kane. And not and or, but and, <laughs> I wanted to become um, a, a world champion. Um, Olympic champion came a little bit later for me because Olympics came every four years. So it wasn't as, um, you know, accessible wasn't in terms present. of visual. For, yeah, exactly. So every year mm -hmm. we have the world championships and I'd be watching like, you know, Brian and Kurt um, win these, these, these titles. And I'm like, okay, that's, that's my goal. Become principal dancer at the National Ballet of Canada, become a world champion for, for Canada in my figure skating. That's it. <laughs> I didn't care about anything else. Kind of lofty goals. Um, you know, it was a, a, a big, uh, to put it on your wish list, it was a huge goal. And one that you came very close to accomplishing. Very close. Yes. Very, very, very close. I mean, I never saw it as, as lofty. I just sort of saw it as part of my desire and sort of my, my destiny because I was just, whenever I was either in the dance studio and especially a little bit later um, in my skating when I was on the ice, I always felt so good. It was like my happy place. Um, it never felt yeah. like work to me or, or training. I never had to be told what to do. You know, in my dance or my skating, I was always very curious. I would always ask a ton of questions. I would always watch, you know, um, the classes. So when other kids were having, like, lunch at school, I would be watching some of the senior classes through the windows of the studios and, you know, trying to pick up and mimic what they were doing. And then on the ice, because mo both my parents work, so sometimes I'd have to stay at the rink a little bit later, I would watch the senior sessions, and I'd sit there with a sandwich, and I'd watch you know people doing the triples and absorb 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 and um it's funny but now i do the same thing with youtube 
thank God for that. So <laughs> for me, it was just part of my, my, my evolution. I saw something that really I connected with, and that's what I wanted to do. Yeah, I certainly am using the word lofty. I, I was not intending it as any kind of snobby thing, but um, <laughs> merely merely as a, a real um, pinnacle of success. And to set that goal at such a young age, I think, is quite remarkable and probably um, more common around high achievers than in the rest say of classic the population. Syndrome. Yeah. <laughs> classic, <laughs> classic overachiever syndrome right here, for sure. Hey, you did all right. <laughs> I did okay. I did okay. You sure did. Um, <laughs> you made the, the skating world uh, sit up and take notice in, in a wonderful way. I remember, where were we? I think we were... Uh, we were at a world championship somewhere, and I remember the pair, the pairs were just about to take the ice, and you, it was just practice, and you were out there skating, and I think the Zamboni was trying to get you off. And oh, yeah, good luck. One of the Russian... <laughs> <laughs> One of the Russian pair teams who were the defending world champions at that time, I was chatting away with them, and, and the, uh, the pair looked out at you and went to me and said, kind of pointed to you, went, world champion. <laughs> and, you know, I thought that was a really high compliment Really high. Huge. Yeah. I wonder what world that but, was. There were, there were a few. <laughs> we, yeah, where were we? I can see the rink, but I can't see the outside. Would it have uh, been Torino or felt like Italy? I don't know. I don't remember. Anyway. I don't know. There were, there were, there were lots. <laughs> there were a few places. <laughs> That's for sure. Wherever it was, they... Location didn't stand out to me as much as the comment from the Russian world champions. I thought that was so cool. Let's let's talk a little bit more about ballet and skating. How did one help the other, or or did they? Oh, I think absolutely. I think one feeds into the other uh, beautifully. Um, Let's talk about okay. So different 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 ways that they help each other out. Um, and I think this is why I was able to do both for such a long time, um, which is actually quite unprecedented because usually when you're training at such a high level in either ballet or skating, it's either one or the other. It's, it's, it's not yeah. both. In fact, I had to really keep my skating a secret um, while I was training at the National because I knew that it would um, – you know, not be so accepted because if you're at the National Ballet School, that's your training to become a professional uh, a dancer. And I think their concern was, the, you know, how the musculature of the body would develop. Um, so I kept it a secret for, for a very long time. And I'll tell you the story how my cover got blown a little bit later. But um, <laughs> <laughs> both worked quite beautifully together um, for such a long time. Um, so obviously the physical standouts, um, with ballet, um, you learn how to control and be aware of every single muscle and fiber of your body, but without showing it. 
and that's something that we worked on from from such a young age. Um, so coordination um, and self-awareness, but with an effortlessness, um, plus how to keep the body healthy uh, through mm-hmm. the movement in, in the proper way is very important. Understanding anatomy from an actual standpoint of like coloring pictures and looking at slides and diagrams of how the body works um, was part of my education. So I think that's also feeding into yeah. why I'm all about health and, and how important that is. And, you, you know, treat your body nicely because it feeds into your mind. And then on the other side of it, there's also the, the, the beauty and the musicality, uh, you know, the lines of, of ballet, the understanding of roles in ballet through acting. Now, obviously that comes with, you know, they're developing a talent as well. You have to have a talent for that. But ballet really developed that. What skating gave to my ballet was turning and jumping and power and uh, athleticism. Absolutely 100%. And both gave to me a sense of discipline, um, a sense of um, grace uh, in the studio, on the ice, as well as off. Um, and um, uh, maturity um, beyond um, my years at that point. So it was, it's, it's such a gift uh, to do both. Now, what was interesting is that um, because at the National we do our academics along with our uh, ballet training, most of my time would be sent from the morning until um, the evening at school downtown Toronto, and then I'd have to rush back on the subway and on the go bus to get to the rink. So up until pretty much my almost senior years, I wasn't able to fully, sometimes I'd make it to the rink and sometimes I I wouldn't. It would just depend on what time rehearsals were done and what time, you know, how how the traffic was because it it takes a long time to get from downtown to to Richmond Hill in in traffic. And so, you know, I, I, I think also what made me love my skating was it was almost like um, um, a treat in a way. So when I was on the ice, I made the the best use of it a hundred percent that I could, but um, yeah, that went on for quite a few years. (laughs) Wow. It's um, a huge undertaking. Um, Just thinking about the rigors of the discipline of both disciplines. And of course the expectations that go along with it too. How how did uh, your parents help with this? I mean, obviously you had their support. Rides and money, rides and money. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's basically what it. Rides and money and a good swift kick to the butt if I needed it once in a while, which I did. I need structure. Let me tell you, I think that's why I uh, I, I crave discipline and a routine so much. Is that I'm kind of a free spirit. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I like, I like my freedom, but you know, it, it pays to be structured and disciplined as well. Cause you need balance in, in life. So, um, <laughs> that's what I, I, I crave these days, but in terms of my, what my parents gave, definitely, uh, their, their time and their, their resources. Um, and you know, obviously my, my dad was usually the one who came to the rink to video, uh, sessions and stuff like that. My um, my mom was usually working a little bit uh, later, but you know, obviously they were both uh, a part of it until they they split up when I was sort of in my mid uh, teens. But even then, they were sort of uh, both both involved. But um, yeah, my mom 
was never a typical, like they were not like skating parents or stage parents at all, mm-hmm. like at all, at all, at all. But if, you know, m- my, my coach would have a meeting, Joanne would have a meeting with um, my mom as, you know, parents do uh, with the coaches, uh, uh, at least she does uh, um, a couple of times a year. And she found out that I hadn't, you know, run my solo or something like that, or I, I stopped in, in my solo and I was told not to do that because, you know, I was, I was, you know, tenacious. I would throw a temper tantrum and a, and a fit if I missed a jump and, you know, it wasn't perfect. And if I stopped, I wasn't allowed to do that. If my mom found out, she did find out one day and the results of that were my skates were thrown on the roof of the house (laughs) and I was told (laughs) that and no I'm serious we have a two-story house and the skates flew up onto the roof one on one side one on the other side and she was like unless you're going to take this seriously and do what your coach tells you you don't need these and don't well she she didn't say it quite that nicely but you know so I kind of smartened up um, <laughs> after that. So that was sort of the involvement in, in terms of the swift kick in, in the butt. But they didn't, um, they left up uh, all the training and stuff up to my, up to my coach. They, they put me in her hands. I love it. It's a great story. <laughs> oh, now yeah. when Joanne uh, went, oh, sure. Um, <laughs> when Joanne, <laughs> when Joanne McLeod moved to Vancouver, you decided to go along with her. Tell me about that. I just, I just couldn't see myself with any other coach. You know, Joanne was so much more and still is so much more than just a coach. You know, she's like family. She uh, went above and beyond the duties of a coach and, and, and a mentor even and sort of took me under her wing because my family life was not um, the most calm um, at mm-hmm. home, and I've, this is not like a, a new thing. I've, I've spoken this publicly uh, about this publicly before. So um, you know, I don't have any embarrassment or, or shame um, about sharing that. I think it's important to share my story open and honestly because I think it could help some people. Um, you yeah. know what I mean? And and help some people realize that, guys. You know, even you know the. The, underneath the ice, underneath the surface, you know, there's there's turmoil, but you have to sort of soldier on. But she took me underneath her her wing, and um, I just would l- so look forward to my lessons with with her. I was just all about doing the best that I could, and she was extremely funny and 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 personable, and um, you know, it was just such a nice way to be able to, to, to practice, you know, obviously with the gravitas of being in, in ballet school in a, in a group setting, uh, you know, with the boys class and then being on my own on the ice, um, it was a different type of, of discipline. It was more balls in my court, sort of a freeing sort of discipline. So I'd still Mm -hmm. have to practice, but I could do it on my own. Whereas in ballet, it would be more in sort of like, um, a group, a group setting. And so, yeah, when I got to the rink, it was very sort of liberating for me and uh, Joanne made the environment at the training center like completely fun uh, to be around. And um, I, like I said, I love my lessons with her and uh, she, made me, she made me laugh. She made me want to do my best. She was always very supportive and 
you know, we, um, she would sometimes drive me from the school because she used to live in Cabbage Town, which is like a few blocks away from the National, uh, from the school to, this is like when I was a little bit older, to, to the rink um, so that I would be able to get to practice on time. So, she, you know, she's like, she's like family to me. So when she, it came time for her to, to move to Vancouver, you know, um, we had a discussion about it. She had a discussion with um, my mom at that point because my dad wasn't really in the picture at that point, but my mom. And um, I was like, yep, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. Um, it was about 16 or 17 at, at the time, I believe. And, um, yeah, so I couldn't really – it was a non, it was a non-issue for me. I was just like, yep, ready. Where do I sign? You know, you, you have talked a lot ab- about um, the different sides of yourself, um, yes. <laughs> and in a way, uh, how the kinds of things that ballet expected of you versus the kind of things that skating expected of you, uh, always with excellent results in both fields. But you've, you've always been very open about the two sides of your personality and how you recognize those and how you fed those respective sides can you talk about uh, that absolutely 100 percent. and i think because you know i'm 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 i've worked with you know uh skaters of all sort of levels uh sort of in 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 the past now that i'm not um competing and the one thing i would say to them um and the one thing to remember is energy is energy okay um it's what type of spin you put on it you can put a positive spin on it. You can put a negative spin on it. So it's the same thing with what people might call your your demons or your angels um, inside of you. The worst thing that I think you could do is ignore either because you have to be self-aware. You have to be self-aware in order to use those energies inside you in the right way. If you completely ignore them, um, you know, A, you're, you're lopping off the good side of things which can help you, and B, those negative uh, personality traits can become demons and rear their ugly heads. And um, That's right. You know, they can come out when, when you least want them. <laughs> when you least want them. So don't turn your back on them. You know, look at them as difficult as it is. Be self-aware and use those 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 um that energy inside of you in and 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 use it to your advantage don't ignore it. energy is energy i got this idea of like spin from i'm kind of a nerd so <laughs> i don't know if you guys knew that but makes sense. so i got the idea of like um a spin from particle physics which is m- my other career that i wanted to do when i was younger and they talk about how you know in an atom an atom has smaller constituent parts um, like electrons and protons and neutrons, et cetera. And then those particles have even smaller parts like quarks. And now we're finding that those quarks can have even smaller parts. But inside of that, they have a positive and negative integer spin. So I thought, well, you know what? It's the same thing within all of us. You know, it's how you spin things. Spin it positive, spin it negative, but use it. Use it in some way. Don't ignore it because energy is energy and it's fuel. And that's what I would say to, to any skater who's listening right now is energy is energy. Use it. True enough. And, and 
a simple um, a simple statement and very focused and clear. Did you feel that when you were skating? At times. <laughs> Sometimes not. <laughs> you know, the balance in life is extremely um, difficult. Otherwise, we'd all, we'd all have it, you know. Finding that, yeah. that balance is something that we need to, all of us need to work on. And I think right now, um, and we'll take the example of, of dealing with this quarantine situation and what's so great about the advantages of being an athlete is um, all the tools that we have in our toolbox to be able to deal with a situation, um, you know, uh, like, like this. So, um, again, I go back to the idea of, like, discipline and rigor, setting goals for yourself each day. They don't have to be lofty ones, but just small ones so that you can keep, you know, um, focused is, is, is really important. So. And reasonable. We're, we're lucky. I think so, yeah. Yeah. I think for, yeah. for me, like going back to what you're saying, like, did it work for me? Sometimes I would put way too much pressure on myself. Like this is a classic overachiever perfectionist um, syndrome that, that, that was one side of me that I had to learn how to sort of temper or uh, sort of rein in or, or control so that it wouldn't become so overwhelming that it would become a burden, you know? Um, so I sometimes still like, cringe watching myself because I'm just so critical of myself. I just, I, I zoom in on every single little detail and that can be a good thing, but it also, if not controlled, can be an extremely um, sort of harmful thing because you never yeah, can enjoy it can, the moment. And, and work like, in, you just, you're just so, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. Two directions can work in two directions. I remember exactly. a, a, a conversation we had once uh, where you and I, we had some great conversations over the years where you and I were talking about your perfectionism. And we were on the Grand Prix circuit. I don't know where we were exactly. Uh, and I, I gave you a piece of homework. I said, I want you to go around to some of the other skaters. Um, I think this was before you were Canadian champion. And I said, I want you to ask oh, people who, oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> who's, I want you to ask people, skaters, who's um, skating you really admire, how many times they've done a perfect performance. Oh, I and remember then this. it was so interesting because we met up a couple of weeks later and I said to you, so did you do your homework? And you said, you had this kind of baffled look on your face. And you said, I did. I, I asked people. I don't remember your exact words. But you said you'd asked people and you'd found out that most of them, even some of the many-time world champions, said they'd never felt they had a perfect performance. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that? Yeah. I remember. I don't remember the end result, but I do vaguely remember you telling me to do that, that, that homework. That's interesting. Gosh, my goodness. Well, I think my, my purpose was just to try to uh, help you alleviate some of the stress on yourself for um, doing what you felt was not the perfect performance. Yeah. And and it it was fascinating. What is, what is perfection? Like a clean performance. Like we know what a clean performance is. You, you know, looks yes. like, but um, 
you know, if you're bearing yourself under so much pressure about the details, then, you know, you're, you're getting further from that goal. That's something that, that I've learned and, um, sort of it, it can uh, right now, like, especially when, when I'm performing, you know, there it's, I'm still very much, um, into being professional and doing my, my best. And that's why, you know, I, I work hard on my physical training as well. Uh, but you know, just to have fun with it, you know, to enjoy it because that's really why I started skating in the first place, you know, and yeah. with it because it, it, it gave me something. It fed something into me that, um, really sustained me. Um, and then through some of the times that I remember that weren't so easy, um, looking back now, hindsight is twenty twenty. but you know, my mindset was too, um, just clamp down on, on, on things a little bit too, too hard. I wish I would have been a little bit more laissez-faire <laughs> yeah, on, on certain things. So I think that's when I work best when I'm, you know, laissez-faire, um, you know, I'm jovial. I'm, I'm easygoing and happy and, uh, well, it's not, yeah. It's, it's like finding the balance that you spoke about. Mm-hmm. If you are so burdened, by the details that you can no longer feel the joy of the movement and the expression yeah. of that movement, well, oof, that's that's hard work. It's awful, especially when it becomes your quote-unquote job or career, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. At a certain point, like, there's no reason why you can't enjoy what you're doing, even though it's your career, even though, you know, there's a lot on the line, et cetera, et cetera. As, as being an elite athlete, we all know uh, what it's like at that point. It is serious. But um, if you don't have something to foil that sort of gravitas and that seriousness, seriousness to temper it a little bit, then um, it just becomes miserable and overwhelming and un- unenjoyable. And like these days, I'll just spend like, like an hour or two just skating. You know what I mean? Just, just moving. To feel. I mean, I end up jumping anyway yeah. because I just love to. I just love to jump. But um, you know, it just yeah, just that feeling of flying and floating across the ice. It just brings me back to um, when I was a kid. It's like you know, sitting on a, a swing at the park, and then you know, there's nobody around, and um, you just swing back and forth, and you just have a goofy moment to yourself it's so liberating, you know, and it's good to have those moments like that and bring that into, for, I do into my skating now. Um, and so when I'm working with other people, I can sort of parlay my experiences or my sort of my observations to them and sort of what works for me and what doesn't. So I love teaching. Yeah. I think I was, I, I'm, I'm a born teacher. Yeah. Wow. Did you have, uh, I'm, I'm going to come back to teaching, but there's a question that's right in the front of my brain right now. Do you have a favorite program? Of mine? Of my own? Yeah. Yep. Or just in general? Okay, of my own. No, uh, yours. Oh, geez. Okay. Or a couple. Well, yeah, I would say, let me just, let me just think hmm. definitely my tango program because that was really oh yes like, um sort of a breakthrough 
program for me on all. For, oh, there's a couple. There's that one. You know, the thing is, like each. I look at my career in sort of like stages of evolution and like breakthroughs. So for me, one of the first programs that I remember being a breakthrough was my Kama Sutra program in 1999, which I actually, I actually beat Elvis that year in the short program, which was a big deal. It was at, um, wow. Yeah, it was in, uh, I believe it was in, what's the rink that has that small side and the big side. Is that Ottawa, Ottawa civic center? Um, it has like a short. It has it has a sh- short no. side where the seats are, and then the other side kind of goes up. Anyways, oh yes, that's that right. That's Ottawa. Yeah. So that was like a breakthrough program for me. It was my second year senior. I didn't have a great first year uh, senior. This whole thing about you know the '98 Olympics and then not having a very good world after that. Blah 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 blah. And um, what I did with that program is it just really brought my skating into a more senior sort of space. Um, so I would definitely think that was one of my my breakthrough programs. My Tango short program was another one, and I would say my Journey of Man program, which I won my first national title to. That was a free program. Uh, Taller designed that costume. I remember that. That was like two. 2000 or 2001 Winnipeg. Uh, that was a breakthrough program for me. So you know, it was yeah, just taller than birthday this week. No, I did not. Yeah, yeah, yep. His birthday. He would have been so, seventy or seventy-one, something like that. Crazy. Anyway, I have a good taller story. Yes. I have a good taller. I have a good taller story. So taller designed that that costume. It looked like it was very geometric. Some of you guys will remember it. It looked almost like a Mondrian painting. Painting. Uh, it was divided. Yes. Yeah, it was like divided into squares. Taller was a genius with color. So all of my costumes would be, you know, hand dyed. And when he did it, he just was so specific about what colors he wanted, um, obviously being a painter. So um, I look at that costume and I'm like, oh, this is like couture. It's like, it's like art. I love it. I still have it to this day. But when he was designing that costume, I was, I went to Toronto um, because my costume maker, Angela Arana, who actually did costumes for the National Ballet and a bunch of other skaters, she was in Toronto. So my coach was like, go to Toronto, get your fitting, um, go see Taller and see what he um, designs for you. And when we were doing that, he invited me up to his like, loft. And I remember walking in the front door and on the door jam, just right beside it were the phone numbers of like big time celebrities like Ivanka Ivana Trump and um, God, I don't remember who else he had, but just like a whole list of phone numbers written on the wall of these really famous people in his loft and like (laughs) art all around. It was like the craziest thing. And of course him in his long, you know, jacket. And I was like, this is bananas. I'm like, what am I doing? (laughs) Such a good, such a a beautiful costume. Yeah. He added so much to our lives. He really did. I really like him. Yeah, me too. I miss him a lot. Um, Let's talk a little bit about your coaching. Is this a a career that you're going to continue to pursue? I think that's something that I would definitely like to do. I've always sort of been a natural-born teacher. 
Number one, I'm mm-hmm. very curious about the world around me. I'm always asking questions. Um, I've always been autodidactic in terms of learning for myself, and so I always seek out qu- uh, answers to my questions. And that's why I mentioned earlier, I would always ask questions of my of my teachers and my coaches all the time because I wanted to know more. I would just observe observe because I just wanted to soak it all in. And so I think what that has helped me do being that curious is, is, is through my absorption of this knowledge, my me amassing this knowledge, I can pass it on to the people that I work with along with my own experiences. But when I was younger, even um, this was like when I was really young and some of even the older skaters would watch me on the ice and, you know, be able to do these jumps quite easily that they were having trouble with. Um, I would, they would just maybe ask me something. And I remember one time talking to um, one of the skaters on the ice named Julie, and she was having trouble with a flip or something like that. And I said, well, why don't you just wait a second longer after your three turn before you put your toe in so that, you know, you're, you're more on a, on a larger curve or straighter line. And she did that. And right away the jump got, got fixed. So since then, I've sort of been like, I just naturally gravitated towards wanting to help. Um, so for me, teaching is sort of a natural um, segue um, into the sport. Sure. But sure. I'm not, I'm and you're still, still so. <laughs> I know it. That was my next comment. You're still performing. Yes. Wow. That, I mean, I'm, I, I'm a natural born performer. It's something that I've always loved. I think that's the reason why I gravitated towards uh, ballet and figure skating was the, the performance aspect as well as obviously the athletic aspect. But I had a lot of energy. I was always very musical. So the music really tells me, uh, told me what to do. It still does. And so performing is something that has been and I think will always be a part of my life. And, you know, um, I'm doing a lot of stuff, obviously, people can see on my Instagram and stuff like that um, in, in Russia, which has been really amazing because skating is like blowing up there uh, right now. So I feel like I'm kind of like in the, the epicenter of it all. So I can absorb a lot of it as well. Plus they really understand and appreciate figure skating in Bali. Like in, in Russia, it's, it's part of their, their blood um, yes. for, for, for everybody. It's just part of their culture. And so because skating and ballet have meant such a great deal and continue to mean such a great deal to me, I feel really comfortable there because they take it really seriously like, like I do. And so there's that sort of mutual respect. Um, so I feel yes. really blessed to be, to, be, to be doing that. But like, yeah, I'm still performing. And, you know, like doing a triple toe is not good enough for me. Like I want to do like all of, all of my jumps. So that's why I also keep my body body healthy because you know i i want to be professional look my best and uh look relevant <laughs> so <laughs> gotta squeeze well, in and I, that fourth turn <laughs> <laughs> get her done <laughs> my, well, yeah, my, and my, I, my mom's line was no 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 quad no light manuel no quad no life <laughs> <laughs> Which was so true back in back in the day. If you wanted to be a senior man, compete with Todd Eldridge and um, Evgeny Poshenko and and Ilya and, and uh, Yagadun, et cetera, you needed a quad, at least one. She's like, no quad, no life. Skates on the roof. <laughs> <laughs> and now I understand. Quad showed up. <laughs> 
it's amazing where motivation comes from. <laughs> oh yeah. And, and I, that's actually I, how I got most of my jumps. Like honestly, like wow. when I was, um, so I have a funny story, sorry to interrupt, but when I was, um, younger, um, so Joanne's school is kind of broken up into like different categories of levels. It's like grades. And it's kind of like motivating because when you're a younger skater, you want to get onto that senior A or elite, you know, session where the big guys are doing all their triples and yada, yada, yada. But for me to move up to that level, I had to have a double axle. And I think I was like maybe like nine or 10 at the time. And I was like going to school, I was skating. And because of my schooling, like I explained before, if I wanted to continue skating, I had to be on a later session. And the later sessions were these sort of higher end sessions, but you needed a double axle and a triple to get on there. So the only way that I was allowed to continue skating um, because of this situation was if I got a double axle and triple. Launched myself up one day, did the double axle, got the triple, got onto the session, carried on with my skating. So sometimes you just kind of need to go out and, and, and do it. I mean, granted, I was doing a lot of off-ice jumping at the time, so it was easier. But, um, yeah, motivation. Well, motivation comes in all forms. Energy is energy, people. Boy, <laughs> I totally agree. I think sometimes y- you need someone else to set a goal for you in order for you yeah. to go, yeah, I can do that. I'm going to do that. I, like, I, I had no choice. I was like, yeah, I better do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or, or, that, um, or that's I, it. I also heard you are the artist in residence for Skate Ontario. Yes. Do I have that right? um, Yeah. So basically what they, what I did was I wrote a couple of um, pieces and um, they're still up there. I think if you go to my Instagram page, there's a link to one of, of the, the, the written pieces that I, that I wrote and you can find the other one there as well. But, um, Basically, what I did with that with that blog is I, I on the first one I talked about my duality. So all of my life, and you know this because how long have you known me for, Debbie? Like a long time since I was a kid, probably right? Like a long, yes. like like a long, yes. like we're we're talking like twenty five plus years. I I would imagine, yeah, at least probably. Jeez. Oof. Holy cow, I love it. So in all of that time, like, it's like, okay, well, there's, there's a manual and inside a manual exists this sort of duality. It starts from my uh, sort of biracial ethnicity, my mom being Italian, my father being Indian. Um, if you look mm-hmm. at the letters of my name, the E is very hard and angular. The S is very sort of soft and curvy. Um, so they're kind of like dynamic opposites of one another. So in that first piece, I talked about growing up on the East Coast, training in the West Coast, and how much both mean to me and how much I respect the other because of that. And so there's like this duality that exists in my life and continues to exist. So that's who I am, this duality, this this back and forth, this tug of war that can be sort of really productive or destructive. Most of the time it was productive, but will always make me sort of an exciting skater because of that. And then the other article um, sort of that I wrote was um, my experience at, um, as a dancer at the Bolshoi Theater, which if you're a ballet dancer, like that is like the ultimate. It's like 
when you talk about ballet, you think about Russian Russian ballet because that is like the epicenter of of ballet for for many many centuries. And having been to Russia so many times and um, and working on these productions with Evgeny in in Russia, I was kind of exposed to some of the the dancers uh, and uh, people from the company, uh, specifically a fellow named Sergei Filin, who was artistic director of the Bolshoi Ballet, um, who now helps choreograph these big shows that I'm a part of with Pleshenko in Moscow. And I asked him, I said, Sergei, can um, you get me a pass to get into, I want to take company class with the Bolshoi, um, which is like, even to this day, I can't believe like I actually got to do that an actual ballet class wow. with the company members of the Bolshoi. Like that's, that's crazy. A lot of dancers, professional dancers haven't even been able to do that. And so I wrote about my experience of not just the class, but walking, I called it the hallowed halls. Um, these sort of these, these halls behind the sacred curtain of one of the institutions that I respect the most, because part of my ballet training was not just learning the steps and the curriculum um, and uh, the repertoire in class physically, but also learning about the history of art and ballet. And that specifically was one of our classes, the history of art and ballet. And we studied from like Cro-Magnon times all the way up to modern day times. And one of the things we studied was Russian ballet and the Bolshoi. And back in school, we did it through slides um, on a projector uh, and in our binders. And for me to be able to actually go in person and walk those halls, wander them actually. I did at, at one point um, after I was able to, you know, uh, be granted a pass, I, I just kind of walked in and absorbed everything and ended up stumbling through one hallway into where they keep a lot of the costumes for their productions. And I'm like, oh my God, you know, like, Nuriev could have worn this, you know, Bershikov could have worn this. I don't know, maybe Nijinsky even wore this at one point. Who knows, you know? And uh, just being able to absorb all that in real life, it's like, to this day, I still can't believe that I'm able to, to do that. It's like, interesting how things come full circle, but on a higher level. So very, well, very, and very blessed it, to do that. And I think it's like um, touching history, like really touching history. It's not just literally, learning about I literally it. literally ran my hands. Yeah, literally ran my hands against the wall. And it's like, you know, it's, it's, it was amazing to be able to do that in, in an actual person. So, well, it's, uh, yeah, I, like, I, I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so that's, and that's what that artist in residence was, was about sort of like, they're like, do you want to write on something? We need two things. Um, and I'm like, oh my God, what am I going to write about? And then it just kind of like came to me right, right away. It just was a sort of natural, natural inclination to sort of like, it's just kind of flowed out of my fingers onto the page. So it's really a nice feeling. Um, it's quite wonderful. I have read both pieces and, uh, I would say that, that you're quite an excellent writer too. Thanks. I, yeah, I have I, a feeling. Writing I have a feeling. Once, once you put your mind to something, if if you like it, if it's something of interest 
to you. Yes. Um, you'll probably be good at everything, Emmanuel. Yeah, I think, you know, um, for me, like, I really have to have a, a connection with it. Yeah, I mean, obviously, in your daily life, you have to do stuff like that you don't want to laundry. That are kind of <laughs> laundry, administrative stuff, bills, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but if I'm going to put, you know, my heart into something, my heart actually has to be in into something. And, um, you know, one of the things, you know, I really wish looking back that maybe I would have stuck around for the 2010 games um, because they were in Vancouver. And of course, Vancouver is such a big deal to me because I spent half my life there. You know, half my life was in Mm -hmm. Toronto and half my life was in, in Vancouver. So I'm very much a product of both. But at the time, I just wasn't feeling it. I just, I just, I, I'd lost some, some connection or some passion with, with, with my skating. And I just, I just couldn't see myself slugging through daily training to, to get to that. You know, when I look back at it now, I'm, I maybe wish that I had done that, but at the time I just couldn't. I just couldn't fathom it. I just couldn't do it. Now, going back to the silver linings and how to look at the things positively, was it a huge loss? No. At that time, was I sitting on my butt doing nothing? No. I got my butt up and I auditioned for So You Think You Can Dance. And I got on the show. Um, and I added another chapter to, to my life, um, a chapter that is very important to me in terms of my dance. And so... Yes. There's always well, a positive something. You ha- just have to look for it. Yeah. My sports psychologist, David, when I, I was working with him in Vancouver, he talked about reframing. And this is another thing that I would sort of like say to, to skaters, you know, reframe, find a new perspective if you're having trouble with something, you know. Um, sometimes it's just a matter of shifting your perspective even just a little bit to see things in a new light that can create such a wonderful difference. And so yes. that's how I've always sort of approached life. Otherwise, could you imagine? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> There's just be too much to handle, you know? For sure. Yeah, yeah for sure. So, I totally agree. So was- oh, Emmanuel, it has been such a delight spending this time with you today. We can't thank you enough for sharing oh, your pleasure. stories. We had some laughs. And uh, a wonderful time reliving some of those great memories and and getting to know you a little bit better as a person, too. Thank you so much. Well, thank you. Thanks, Debbie. It was wonderful. I could do this all day, but I'm so glad that we had uh, a time to do this uh, as we did. And I hope people will do it again. It. Yeah, I'm I sure they will. Thanks again. Bye for thank now. For Emmanuel Sandu, ballet and skating were perfectly intertwined, both in his soul and on the ice, for him to create an unforgettable combination of athleticism and artistry. This month, as described to alumni chair Debbie Wilkes. Next month on the blog, visit with us again to share in more outstanding moments from some of the sport's most engaging personalities. If you haven't already, I also encourage you to visit our website, alumni.skatecanada.ca. You'll find today's episode, all past episodes, 
a commenting section on the regular podcasts that we release, the regular blog posts we post, and you'll be able to subscribe so that you don't miss any of our future episodes. My name's Alex Kilby. Thanks once again for listening to the Skate Canada Alumni Podcast. Mm-hmm.